lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gold Jr. That is me. With me, as always, back to the full house. Super producer Brandon Newman, my father, Mike Golick Sr., and making a triumphant return for another Wilder Wednesday, our good friend Charlotte Wilder, who has assured me today that she is coming with the takes. So, Charlotte, how are we feeling? I'm feeling so good, Mike. I woke up this morning and I was like, stretch my arms. I was like, oh, I have takes to give. And then knowing me, they're really not going to be that spicy. But I'm just really excited to talk about everything we have to talk about today. As soon as I heard that about all the takes you had, I thought maybe I should, you know, excuse myself from the show and go back to bed and just listen. You know, maybe maybe I'm not needed today. I'm, I'm excited to hear the hot takes. We always need you. We always need you, Mike. <laughs> Charlotte, don't don't be fooled. Dad's on the second leg of a two day hangover, trying to buy himself some time. That's uh, all this is. Went drinking in a golf tournament today. this week. There you go, yeah, Dad. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I need I need you. I need your legs to strain and your shoulders to burn today, uh, Charlotte, to carry this. Well, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay what are you, baby do Gronk show. now doing the bicep pose? Okay. I'm Libby. I'm Libby. <laughs> Dear God. We've got a lot of riz for you and a great show today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out live on DraftKingsNetwork.com or Samsung TV Plus, as well as on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Uh, we do have, uh, hopefully, what's the end of the baby Gronk cycle to get to some piping hot tea, courtesy of Mini camp with the Buffalo Bills. But guys, there is nowhere else to start on earth. We want to talk about hangovers and good parties. Congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights for lifting the cup last night. They blast the Florida Panthers 9-3. They complete the 4-1 gentleman sweep 
of the Panthers in a rough go for Florida sports who overcame all the odds credit to the Panthers credit to the heat for two improbable runs but this game was really just the coronation for this team uh Jonathan Marchessault ends up lifting the con Smythe uh in this series and Charlotte this was a team that you know, came into existence six years ago that you actually got to go out and write about and cover it is really special and new, unique in a world where we see so many teams relocated and we see so many teams moved around. This being an expansion team, and I've seen this and heard this from our buddy Jason Fitz, who's been on the show, really feels like Las Vegas's team. They have embraced it in so many ways around there locally in how they present this on ice. And last night, it, it seemed to all come together perfectly for them. Yeah, I mean, in 2018, when this this team sprouted up in the desert, I was working at SB Nation, and I was like, I I would love to go see what on earth is going on out there. I went in February, and their home games were selling out. People were stoked. Everyone said hockey in the desert wouldn't work. Um, and when I went out there, I found that here's a town full of mostly transient people. Um, that people think of as only a tourist destination, but that has a real local population. And these are, you know, they call it BAR, born and raised in Vegas, if you've been there for more than one generation, basically. Um, and the stadium was built not using public money. They took players using an expansion draft. And the rules of the expansion draft clearly worked because they made it to this cup. And I also went back and covered the cup when they were in it um, against the Caps in 2018. And I think also something that people might have forgotten about is like there was that horrible, horrible shooting at that country concert um, in October of 2017. And this team went and visited everyone in the hospital. And I don't I don't say this is one of those like, look, sports can heal us because we shouldn't have mass shootings in the first place. But from the get go, this team meant more to people there than anybody ever thought it could and so for it to have worked you know to, to six years later they're hoisting a trophy is really special and and i think more meaningful than people might think it is because people embrace this team so fully like the the sign in the crowd that said i've waited six long years for this they yeah. actually kind they kind of have i know it's a joke but like this is a this is a real homegrown team that has a real local fan base in a place where locals don't always have that much to call their own. And, and dad, Charlotte mentioned six is kind of the magic number because I believe there are six guys left from yeah. that expansion draft team and Marsha saw being one of them, they called him the yeah. golden misfits. And for him to be around and have seen this because I saw so many of the players that had lifted the consmite guys that had won the cup between when they first got in this expansion draft and now were guys he grew up with some of his best mm -hmm. friends from childhood who he trained with. And so now that full circle moment for him and a lot of the guys that were there originally like dad, the slight of not being protected by your team being allowed to be scooped up in this expansion draft and then winding up this moment has to be a hell of a motivator yeah it, it definitely is I mean there's there's always the pride of anybody but we're talking in the sports world now pride of an athlete of when you're you're not wanted enough to be protected you know on a roster and you're open uh to being picked up real quick kudos again to to the Panthers and to uh the Heat uh, you know, gentlemen sweeping both of them, 4-1, and people will, will, just like when you guys played in the title game against Alabama, oh, man, you shouldn't be there. Here's my thought. 
I will take going to a championship even if I lose because you can't win a championship unless you're in it. So I have, you know, everybody talks about like the Bills going to four straight and losing, how horrible that is. Give me that any day of the week. At least put me in the final. So kudos to the Panthers and the Heat for being there. They just ran up against better teams. You mentioned Marcus Hall getting the con Smythe, one of six remaining from that first season. How about six years? Six years, five postseasons, two finals, one cup. That is not bad at all for just six years as an expansion team. It's pretty sweet what they have done and where they can go from here. I mean, they they have absolute they dominated this game. It was two zip and then it was two one. So you thought, okay, is Florida going to get back in this? And then they just as and you know this term I use, Mike. They peppered them. They were just always down in there in their zone. They were always always around Florida's net. Just popping shots, popping shots, and just score after score after score. They were just the better team, like the Nuggets were the better team uh, against Miami, and, and, and they showed it. And I love this championship, I think, the most as a fan. You see the handshake line after. I love that thing. And then there is, I don't think, any more and better traveled championship trophy than the Stanley Cup, that the players get to have a day with it, where it's gone, the stories it could tell, the books it could write. It's just a it's just a great trophy and a great championship for and what we'll get into the toughest athletes in the world. What the and we'll get give you some of the injuries these guys have gone through and still play. It is ridiculous how tough these hockey players are. Also, something that I think is just so poetic is Jonathan Marshall was not protected by the Panthers. Yep. The Panthers yes, let right. him go in the 2017 draft, and the way he wins is by beating them. Also, just how it, the sort of the web of sports, you know, Bruce Cassidy, the Bruins fire him, Panthers knock him out, and then he beats everybody at the end of the day. Um, I just, I love those little, not petty, but sort of um, convenient facts of how people win. I think it's, I think it's really great. Well, we see people use far less in sports for slights right. all the time, right? And the Bruce Cassidy point's a great one. Dad outlined it. Vegas had been a perennial postseason contender since they had been there. They missed the postseason one time, and they say, no, not acceptable. Fire their coach and bring in Bruce Cassidy for this run. So it is a testament to the way that front office really from the beginning, year after year, said, all right, we have a better expansion draft right now. Fewer players protected. It helps these upstart teams. We saw that with the Kraken again this year. We're going to go and try and make sure we keep attacking this thing year in and year out. Out. So a couple of things, Dad, you mentioned the toughness. This is oh. where part of what Florida was up against was their best player in Matthew Kachuk, who had been one of the darlings, a U.S. player, really ascending to stardom during the Stanley Cup playoffs, missed this game with a fractured sternum. <laughs> that man did not have a broken heart. He had a broken chest. They wow. said he broke it in game three, suited up in game four, and Paul Maurice, their head coach, said he couldn't even dress himself for game four. Someone had to get his gear on. Someone had to tie his shoes. You had him. You had Aaron Ekblad, who broke his foot in the Boston series, popped yeah. his shoulder out twice, tore an oblique, and passed a concussion test. So the yearly round of headlines that come out of the end of hockey season, where we learn what these guys have all been playing with and what they've all been absorbing, is one of the most, I'd say, you can set your watch to at points of the sports calendar year, Dad. Uh, listen, these guys just go out and play, right? I mean, you talk about Kachuk. 
He got hurt in what in game three. Game four, as you mentioned, teammates had to help him get dressed. I think he played 16 minutes in that game, didn't play a full game, but played in that game and then couldn't play in game five, but he played in game four with a cracked sternum. Jack Eichel for the Golden Knights. Remember, Kachuk rocked him, I think it was in game two, smoked him, and I didn't realize this about Eichel. Eichel has had ADR surgery, it's artificial disc replacement surgery on his neck, a procedure that had never been performed on an NHL player before. This was a couple of years ago, and this was his concern. It wasn't when he got smoked by Kachuk. He said it was the whiplash in his neck that that he feared. But there he was, still out there playing. And listen, there are tough athletes anywhere. You step into a boxing ring, an MMA or the octagon, you got to be tough to take a kick to the face or something like that. But these guys are crazy with how they skate, the speed of the puck, the hits that go on. And all you hear about them is lower body injury, upper body injury, but they continue to play anyway. It's it's fantastic. It, it, it really is. It's just so built into the fabric of the sport, right? There's so yeah. many things that are cliche about the sport of hockey. Dad, you mentioned the other one. Between the celebrations, which hockey players are just inherently better at partying and celebrating yes. than any of their counterparts in the other sports. So seeing this at the end was certainly there. But I'm with you on the handshake lines, Dad. I'm not usually one that gets involved in the politics of what you do post game. I right. think a lot of right. that stuff ends up being a little dog whistly in the way people try and go over the top with sportsmanship but if I am honest with myself the handshake line really is one of the coolest things in all of sports it's such a unique moment between competitors and it's hard not to get emotional watching that go down after that cup goes up whether you're hosting game day or movie night DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy you need the perfect setting the perfect squad and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub, because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. So congratulations to the Stanley Cup winning Vegas Golden Knights. Hearing that crowd sing My Own Worst Enemy, fully throated, all in concert, they are one of the better crowds I've ever heard when it comes to chants and getting things across, was a moment that I hope sticks for that Vegas team. Is Again, they're still in their franchise infancy, but got some pretty good hardware to show for it. Um, guys, I wanted to get to this today. I think we had talked about this the last time we were all together, or Dad, at least you and I did. The whole baby Gronk thing was weird and kind of off-putting, a little bit of an oddity at first. I'm hoping after yesterday we're now in the end stages of this and we can really hopefully get something done because if anyone missed it, this baby Gronk phenomenon, viral sensation of a you know, fourth-grade athlete who's been seen making the rounds, visiting college campuses, becoming a social media sensation, has a bunch of followers on social media, all because of his father, who has been orchestrating all of this and went on record as saying he had this plan for his son before he was ever born, of how he was going to program him and train him and all these things that sounded off-putting. And in the last few days, you saw 
a lot of guys, Will Compton, the dudes from Bustin' with the Boys, and some others showing the DMs that the dad had sent trying to get his son onto one of these podcasts to grab even more attention. And one of them bit. I'd never heard of these guys before. The Bring the Juice podcast had Baby Gronk and his dad on. And this clip that went out, I think, should be the end game of the whole situation. Take a listen. Are you him is the real question. Yes. See, I'm going to punch him in. Punch Ask him that in. again, bro. Say... Man, what kind of question is that? You see my Instagram. Say that. Ready? Go. Right, go hey, ahead. baby Grom, are you him? What kind of question is that? Look at my Instagram. What are you going to do, you know, to, to stay sharp and keep your skills up if you're actually not going to go through with middle school and high school? Just work out. No. I'm going to get massages. By, I'm going to get uh, body full body massages by some baddies. All right, ready? Go. Right. Get you want to ask it again, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, go. I saw that you're foregoing middle school and high school football. How are you going to keep preparing yourself to play college football in this whole process? I'm going to get body massages by baddies. So, Dad, I'd start with you because, listen, I don't have kids, so I always reserve a little bit of telling parents how to do or how to feel, but this is so deeply uncomfortable and such clear puppeting and a kid that looks very uncomfortable throughout the entire process that I hope people will be done engaging with the father who is clearly exploring some weird fantasies that he did not get to live out himself. Uh, listen, this dad makes me want to puke. I mean, this has nothing to do with the kid. This is a 10-year-old kid who can't be a kid right now because of his father and what he's doing. And, and, and I understand we're in the era of social media, and I understand people can make money out of this. So we went through this with LeVar Ball and his kids. But his kids were older. The youngest, I think, was in high school at the time. And the other's getting ready, you know, what, at least one getting ready to go to the NBA. And, and so you had the kids were a little older. But that's still, I mean, when, when I was doing Mike and Mike at that point, I was like, well, this is a guy that I don't want on the show. You know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to feed this fire, and that was with Lavar and his and two of his kids turned out to be NBA stars. So I mean, Lavar was right on a lot of it. it. Was just a delivery. This guy again is is sickening. The dad I'm talking about is sickening. The way he's exploiting his kid. This kid, if you watch that whole thing, that kid did not want to be doing those secondary lines after being fed to him by his father. This kid looked like he got sick of it. You know, and when the dad is the one spouting off. I've programmed him. This has been set from day one. Again, it, 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 it angers me so much, so much, even though I know we're in the day and age of the social media, to have this dad manipulate this kid like this. I, I just hope people stop. He, this guy, I heard Chris Long say the dad DM'd, or, or the kid DM'd Chris Long. You know, they're just trying, the dad's trying to get out there. I just hope people stop talking to him, and I mean the dad, and buying into the garbage he's selling, and let this kid be a kid, but we know the day and age we're in, we know people will do it for clicks, so we know it's going to continue in some way. I went back into my DMs to see if Baby Gronk can message me. 2021, when this kid is, what, eight? His dad reached out and was like, hey, can you retweet this? Can you post this? Can we come on your show? Or And I was... I, I looked at it and I had I had not ever accepted the message. I never responded because I had gone to look at who this kid was and I was like, this is this is gross. Like this is, you know, two years ago I was like, I'm I'm not gonna bite on this. And I think the the kid's face when he has to do those other answers that his dad feeds them, and especially when it comes to saying things like 
getting massaged by baddies, like things about women that this kid is clearly uncomfortable with. You know, I remember being a little kid and being like, ah, oh, boys are terrifying. Like th- this is this is horrendous to do to a child. Obviously, I'm not saying anything new, but oh my God, it is a hard clip to watch. Yeah, Dad, you brought up the day and age we live in. It's so different when kids come to social media of their own will, right? Like right. a lot of kids, that's just yeah. how they grow up. That's what they live on right. and that's what they grow up around. It's very clear that this is someone who has pushed him to do so and has said it proudly himself that this is the life I wanted for him before he was born. And it's that like when we were kids, dad, when we were coming up as athletes, you and mom always said, if there's something you guys want to do, we'll help you do it to the fullest extent of it once you make that choice. I don't know if somewhere along the line, Baby Gronk said he wanted to, uh, you know, kid Madden's the kid's name, if this is something he wanted to do, but it's clearly crossed a line. It's become gross and invasive. He doesn't get to be a kid. Like, you hear him eating fish and brown rice and the stuff that I did training and getting ready for pro days or trying to play pro sports or be a college athlete. Like, the dad is been quoted a couple of times as saying he understands that because of injury or because of you know Madden growing up and maybe not having ability that being a college athlete or a pro athlete is might not be in the cards for him might not be realistic which makes this feel a little bit even more craven because it's like a dad looking and saying he recognizes this is the best content opportunity to squeeze the most out of this at the expense of the kid just getting to be a normal kid because now everywhere he walks and every field he goes to the kid's gonna have a target on his back that he may not even want. And the same is we probably shouldn't be surprised because we see so many things on social media where you can make easy money and people will take advantage of it. This one just feels gross because it involves the manipulation, uh, as Charlotte said two years ago, that he's getting, she's getting DM'd by him. The manipulation of a child, of a child. This dad, I, I, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop before I say anything I well, shouldn't say of how disgusted I am. And it's a good reminder, though, that he is not the only parent like this. He's just executed the marketing better. It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness, getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with the championship, much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year and is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Man, guys, so now that we're post-championships in the two major sports that have been going on, we got a long time till baseball's postseason and football season. 
We're kind of in the desert right now, wandering around looking for content, and the Buffalo Bills, a sweet <laughs> oasis in the middle of minicamp drought. Yesterday was particularly messy in a way that we don't often get. This felt very NBA with how vague it was. For anyone that had missed it, Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs was not on the field for their first day of minicamp, mandatory minicamp Tuesday at the facility. And when asked about it, Dad, the thing that originally kickstarted this party was, in my mind, Sean McDermott and his approach in the press conference where he was asked about the absence of Stefan Diggs, their star wide receiver, and if it was serious or not, and he treated it with great severity. He said he was very concerned by the absence and really set off a lot of the alarms there. Now, Diggs' agent then made the point to say through a couple of people that he had been at the facility, he had had conversations with McDermott and others there, and had left before the start of practice that he was going to be around there. But, Dad, how much are you reading into a wide receiver missing the first day of minicamp, which on the surface doesn't seem like much, but with this weird uncertainty and all the conversation around it? Nothing. Zero. You know, I, I and I get it. Listen, th- this is something, and you said it, this is a time of year when, when we love stories and one of your most important players not going to mandatory minicamp, so he'll be fined, and, and what will this lead to when Josh Allen coming out and saying, I take some responsibility from the, uh, for this as well. The organization, we may not have communicated very well. We're seeing the clip of the end of the season when he's walking by Josh Allen on the field after a bad series with his hands up, almost like, you know, why am I not getting the ball or throwing me the ball? There's some, I guess this is the way to put it, there's some disconnect that's going on there, right? So, and, and I get the talk, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Here's why it's there's no uh-oh to me. This guy's under contract till 2027. He starts hitting big money next year, I think 14, 15, 18 million next year in this deal and starts making some big money. And as I've always said, there is disconnect in every single locker room. Nobody is holding hands, all 53 guys, and singing Kumbaya. Now, you'd like it to everybody to get along, but there is a disconnect here. I guess my overriding point, Charlotte, to this whole thing is it doesn't matter. By the time the season starts, Stephon Diggs will be playing for the Buffalo Bills because he is under contract, and if he doesn't, he won't get paid. And it's under it's under contract till 2027. Maybe have that out after 25 or or whatever with with the dead money and such. That's why I have zero issue with this at all. He will be playing wide receiver for the Bills when the season starts. So, Dad, the only thing I would say to that, to just sow some seed of doubt here because I'm a monster, is <laughs> Stefan Diggs, when he forced his way out of Minnesota, was also in the middle of a contract there. In 2015, he signed a five-year, $72 million extension with Minnesota. Excuse me, in 2018, he signed that five-year, $72 million extension and then promptly was traded in spring of 2020. So only a couple of seasons later did he force his way out of Minnesota and into the waiting arms of the Buffalo Bills. But, Dad, I'm with you in that. I don't think anything actionable is going to come. Like, I don't think he's actually going to try and move his way out of Buffalo or anything like that. But Charlotte, this is kind of, I think, the bigger thing around Buffalo is 
Looking at this team and getting ready for the season, I'm wondering if Buffalo missed their best chance. Like, I think they're still very much a Super Bowl contender with this roster, but in recent years, you lost Brian Dayball to the Giants job, and with Ken Dorsey in year one last year, there was a little bit of a backslide to the, hey, Josh, go out there, make it happen offense. Defensively, we saw some of their key pieces injured. Von Miller, the high-priced free agent they brought over, is older and coming off a knee injury now. This year, you lost uh, your defensive coordinator and Leslie Frazier this year as well McDermott's going to take over there and now you've got this the two best players on your offense who you need to have this great connection apparently not on the same page for one reason or another just seems to be yet another thing that's ailing a team that's trying to compete with the Kansas City freaking Chiefs right now yeah and and I think the come up of the Bengals doesn't help anything um but I I I do think that sometimes those are the moments when teams pull it together and surprise everybody. Like I I think that a lot of times when there are not expectations of, or, you know, I think there's still expectations of a Super Bowl in Buffalo. I don't know if anybody else outside of that region is beating that drum so hard, but something that was very interesting to me about the whole thing is that Alan said, you know, I effing love that guy. He's my guy but that there was a football and a non-football component of it. Um, And I think to me, what's going to be the most interesting, you know, who knows what's going on, who knows how messy it is, who knows what the, what the issue is. Um, I do like that they're being honest that there is an issue. I like that McDermott said he's very concerned. I think that that shows digs, if anything, like, Hey, we care about you. We really want to make this right. I think that Alan is, is being very, um, diplomatic depending on what's going on um and i also think that if this if if we never find out what happens if this all blows over by the time the season starts if they're able to mend this that will be such a um such a win for communication and men talking about their feelings uh so i really (laughs) hope that that i really hope we get there by the start of the season men will literally storm out of the building and go not go to minicamp instead of going to therapy it's unbelievable Yeah, so, so I, I, yeah, I don't know what the issue is outside of football because from a football side of it, this guy was basically top five in targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. I mean, and, and why Buffalo isn't going to trade him and why Stefan's going to want his money? He had 108 receptions. The next closest was Gabe Davis and Dawson and Knox with 48. They have nobody else. They're not going to trade him. They're still fighting for a Super Bowl. He's by far their best receiver. It's not even close about that. So they would be losing an unbelievable talent, and I don't know what they would be getting back for it. And Diggs would like to get paid, and Diggs is being fed the ball. So to me, maybe it's not being fed the ball in the right moment. I'm sure we'll find out more. What is it that's not football-related that's going on here? But, But all of this, again, just stacks up to me of... It's all going to get worked out. We're in a more communicative time now, and I get it, you know, where let's make sure people are happy or we get communication or we understand what's going on or we make people, everybody feel part of what needs they feel part of so everybody's happy, so everybody can go play. It'll all get worked out, and he's going to end up playing. I, again, well, I, I, Dad, I, I don't I, see. I, let, I'm 100% let me say on this, that. Th- oh. 
he's going to play. Yeah, like we can all agree. If we move off to the side and say we're not actually worried about him getting jettisoned out of the building, would you say this is a net negative when you're in the rat race with Kansas City and with Cincinnati to try and be the best team in the football and especially the best team in the hyper-competitive AFC when your two players appear to have some semblance of a communication issue heading into the season? The bottom line is they may have the communication, but what's the communication on the field? Again, top five in the league in targets, top five in the league in receptions, top five in the league in yards, top five in the league in touchdowns. So on the field, they're getting it done. I've said this many times. On every team, there are guys that don't like one another, that play on the same side of the ball. And I'm not saying that's the case here, but I'm saying that's what happens. But when you go on the field, you play for the one common goal. Do we think Josh Allen is not going to throw the ball to Stephon Diggs because they have a communication problem? I mean, I, I don't see that happening. Stephon Diggs is, is making a lot of money and would like to continue to make a lot of money, so he's going to want to excel on the field. Is it the greatest thing in the world? No, it's not. You'd like to have better communication. But on the field, everybody's playing for that goal, the goal of a championship, but also the goal of being the man. Stephon Diggs is the man on that team and one of the best receivers in the NFL. I do think, though, that that not having a good working relationship, like nobody loves everybody they work with. And I think that this is something that fans often don't understand. Fans in both sports and entertainment, anytime movie stars are on a movie together, everybody wants to believe they're actually in love. Everybody wants to believe they're best friends and they text each other all the time. That's why I think Friends <laughs> has stayed so rewatchable because all these people still post each other on Instagram. But like the reality is all you need to work with someone is a good professional relationship. And if something personal has gotten in the way, it can spiral very quickly. I don't think it means that they won't have good communication on the field. I don't think it means that Allen's not going to throw Diggs the ball. But I do think that it heightens the emotion of everything, which is really the key thing you want to take out of a workplace. You want people to be operating from a place of professionalism and reality as opposed to their perceived fantasy of what is happening and so hopefully they can work it out where at least they can get back to a professional working relationship where if something goes wrong on the field it doesn't quickly spiral into whatever else is going on I agree with that. What I will say is conflict is definitely the love language of high-level sports. Like the one thing I've always said is I appreciate that we worked in an environment where you could sit there, yell at each other for a little bit if something came up and use that to get to the result faster. Like that's what happens when you've got the trust built up that's required to play this sport in particular at this level. Really any sport, but one where physical violence is the ultimate end product on the field and you've got someone else's safety in your hands. And for quarterback and receiver, Josh Allen, does have some semblance of Stefan Diggs safety in his hands in certain situations you need a lot of trust built up in those spots so we are trying to thread a small needle here because in general dad I 100% agree with you it's amazing the things off the field that people can put aside when they got to go on the field and get the job done and so there is that component the on the field component is interesting because you mentioned he's top five and all those things but clearly does not feel like it and clearly in pivotal situations last year there was some disagreement between him and Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen about how things should go down in pivotal moments of this game. Now, it's year two for Ken Dorsey at the helm of that offense, so maybe some of those things improve. Maybe that's what this is about. But I guess for me, it just all goes back to is this a symptom of the larger conversation that if you're Buffalo right now, 
I think we all agree, Dad, you and I, I think, agree. Buffalo still the favorite, rightly, to win the AFC East. Still, if yeah. you ask me today, the team that I would pick to win the AFC East, but in a division that got a lot more competitive over the last couple of seasons for a variety of different reasons, that's what we thought was going to be the given. And we thought now, okay, after 13 seconds and a couple of years ago, that great game against Kansas City in the playoffs – you were supposed to be neck and neck with Kansas City and with Cincinnati and Buffalo's in the midst of trying to do what Kansas City has done successfully and what Cincinnati's trying to do now, which is change in real time while not losing the ground that you've made up in this race in the AFC. And that's where it feels like little things like this, maybe not now, but in a big moment when you need it, if all of a sudden this isn't addressed properly and festers can affect you in a football sense because that seems to be at least part of the source of this. So, yeah, the, the division is objects uh, in the rear view seem closer than they appear. Uh, that's exactly right. Miami and the Jets are on the heels of the Bills. I'm not putting the, the Patriots there uh, just yet. I think they're oh, fourth in this on, scenario. Mike. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Charlotte. I, the I'm Celtics sorry. just lost. I know. I'm Number sorry. Number one, Bill O'Brien stand, Charlotte Wilder the, in the chat. The, the, the wound is fresh. I understand that. But, you Bruce know, when Cassidy I see the— just won the cup. Come on. <laughs> when, when I see the arms raised like like Diggs looking at him on the side, I put nothing into sideline, you know, uh, explosions by teammates or coaches. I put nothing. Now, to Charlotte, to your point, if, if and as I said, not everybody likes one another, but as long as it doesn't become drama in a locker room, in the preparation where that can become an issue. Blow-ups on the sideline have happened all the time and will continue to happen, and that's the emotion of the moment. But if stuff like that carries into practice, carries into the meeting room, carries into the locker room where it's now affecting things and affecting preparation, that's where you can have an issue. And that So while he's going to be on the team and going to play for them, that's the part is you worry about is, is not sideline drama because that's during a game. I think nothing of it is locker room drama during the week when you're prepping what is kind of hanging over everybody's head and is that going to be an issue going forward? You know what it kind of reminds me of is a little bit the Jokic situation where it's the Jokic situation is sort of the opposite where fans wanted to see more emotion and more drama and they wanted to believe that everybody's best friends with everybody else and Jokic is like, he literally said not everybody likes his job and then he goes, well, maybe they do. Like, so... I, I think that it's two sides of the same coin where fans have this expectation um, that everything's going to be great or, or, or there's not a complete understanding of how different people approach their work, which might be very emotional or might be very unemotional. And, you know, whatever matters is that they get the championship. And I think Buffalo, as Mike, as, as Junior has said, it, they're, they're farther away from that than they have seemed to be for many different reasons. And so if you're a Buffalo fan, you see this news and you're just like, oh my God, it, it's like, a, it's like a flashes of wide right just go through their brains. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's tough. It's tough for Buffalo. Shout out to Buffalo fans. Charlotte, you mentioned the personality differences here. This is one of the fun parts as – I think we flashed it up on the screen before, but for the podcast audience, Josh Allen went out and made this impassioned plea about talked how Stefan Diggs is his guy, about how none of this works without him, said all the right things, hit all the right notes. I don't know if this was in response to him 
into response to Sean McDermott, in response to any of the sound that came out. But Diggs went to his Instagram and posted the text plate that says, I'd just be letting people cap. If them lies help you sleep better, tell them, big dog. It harkens back to the truest tweet ever written about the NFL and about the different personality types at positions. Denny Carter, a long time ago, this was 2017, tweeted the archetypal tweet for every position. The typical quarterback tweet, love my teammates, God is good. Typical running back tweet, keep grinding. <laughs> typical tight end tweet, derp. <laughs> Typical wide, wide receiver tweet, the enemy speaks kindly and holds a knife. <laughs> they are the most cryptic, dramatic position group that exists on this earth that has been consistent over time, and Stephon Diggs has continued to cement the legacy of wide receivers being, I think, the one position that can generally bring some NBA-level drama to the NFL locker rooms in a way that we sorely need right now. Well, they're, they're the bells of the ball. Like you yeah. really can't, you can't do it without. Literally, he was at the Met Gala. Exactly. Like, and and they also tend to be better looking than everybody else. I'm sorry, that factors huh. in. That factors. All right. Well, in. we got to listen. We got a former offensive lineman that's a contestant on the Bachelorette, Charlotte. I'm going to need sorry, you sorry, to sorry, to, sorry, to sorry, watch sorry. the. Did you hear Nikola Jokic? By the way, on that front, had the sound du jour the other day in an interview clip that Malika Andrews posted, where everybody doubted the fat boy. <laughs> Do not doubt the fat boy. So I'm going to offer that same advice to you, my friend. I'm yeah. just saying. I'm <laughs> just saying. You can get a lot of mileage out of going to the Met Ball and then tweeting about it. Yeah, but it all depends on what you wear at the Met Ball, right? So, I, I listen, uh, again, in the Twitter world or the Instagram world, how many times has a player wiped the uh, team he plays Insta you know, off their Instagram? You know, I mean, it's just another vehicle. The athletes can control so much more. They'll, they'll tweet something and they'll hit send, and who knows if they regret it at some point or not, or it's their way to get what they want out. I, 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 in, in all honesty, Mike and Charlotte, I don't put a lot of stock in that either it's their way of sounding off now and don't have to wait for a microphone to get put in front of their face i i, I get that now mike and you have talked you and i have talked about this years ago this is the way the modern athlete now communicates they can control the narrative and that's that's what we see more and more is players through instagram or twitter any kind of social media they feel like they want to control the narrative and that's what Diggs is doing saying yeah they're all talking nice how they want to fix everything but you know, don't buy into don't buy into what they're selling right now. It's just a lot of drama that a lot of people will talk about. And I get it, I get it. But as I said, at the end of the day, come opening night, you know, Stefan will be right out there, a wide receiver catching touchdown passes. The Bills are going to try and wrap themselves around this statement from my dad. Control their emotions. I'm going to help you guys with what you can control as we head closer and closer to Father's Day this weekend. Friends, it's time to hear about what Omaha Steaks has going on to try and help you out and control your weekend with your dad. Dads want steak, which is why you need to head over to omahasteaks.com and enter code GOJO to the search bar. You're going to get dad's favorite gift pack for $99.99 plus Eight free Omaha Steaks burgers with your order. You get four bacon wrap fillets, four premium air-chilled boneless chicken breasts, four boneless pork chops, four gourmet jumbo franks, four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets, and the Omaha steak seasoning, plus those eight free Omaha Steaks burgers for only $99.99. Remembering gifting is easy. Dads want steaks, and Omaha Steaks isn't just steak. It's the best steak of your life. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Gojo into the search bar, and get Dad's favorite gift package for Father's Day today. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword Gojo. 
The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. That means as we lurch towards March Madness, you can try and figure out who's going to win this whole thing. On the men's side, teams like UConn, Houston, and Purdue. On the women's side, South Carolina, Stanford, the Lady Irish and Notre Dame, or maybe Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes finally get over the hump. Make the decision for yourself and head over and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, time to bring it on home. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to get you going off into your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. And let us know more what you want to hear on the fine program. Uh, Dad, Charlotte, let's get this started. We've been talking about Vegas, and we might as well keep it sports-centric there. As we got news yesterday, the Nevada Senate passes a $380 million bill funding a new stadium in Las Vegas to relocate the Oakland A's. Now, this went on simultaneously as the Oakland A's at their game last night, and fans hosted what they called a reverse boycott game, where the attendance was a staggering 27,759 fans. The crowd has constantly been chanting for John Fisher to sell the team, and overall send a pretty strong message that this fan base in Oakland is not going to go down quietly, Charlotte. It was a pretty impressive show. Yeah, I think something that I've always been fascinated by about Vegas and a reason that I've, I, I actually sort of love the city is that I feel like it's always been honest about the things that other places are not honest about. Um, it says the unspoken part out loud. It doesn't pretend to be anything it isn't. Um, but I think what, what it becomes a bummer when that honesty and that money at the forefront becomes a thing that takes teams away from places that loves them. Uh, we saw this with the Raiders. Um, and to use public money to, to build a stadium, to get a team out when, when the whole reason that the A's are able to move is because they purposely made people not go. They purposely stripped the roster and didn't put money back in and kept tickets the same price. So who's going to go to that? And they really just sort of fixed the system in a way that is a, is a real bummer that it that it comes at the cost of the fans when Vegas has just sort of rolled out the red carpet to be like, hey, we're a place you can gamble and make money and people are going to come to see these games because it's a tourist destination. Yeah, Dad, this is one of those things that Charlotte brings up the cold reality of all this is right now what we saw last night with the Golden Knights winning the way that they did is only going to be a signal to more people who are already interested right there's a reason Tom Brady's gone out and bought into these teams there's a reason every time LeBron James gets the chance he reminds Adam Silver he wants to own the team in Vegas eventually this is a spot with massive growth potential and all the rich people who run the sports teams figured that out and were doing whatever they could to get there 
Yeah, and they, and they can control it. Just like Charlotte said, you can put an awful team out there. What, they're 19 and 50? They're 23 and a half games out. They're horrible. They can control it. And, and then you, you, we've known teams that hold cities hostage or they're going to move, and sometimes they get the money and it's off the taxpayer's back. At least in this one, there were a couple of things added to the bill, like a suite for community groups and $1.5 million donation to the community and resources toward helping the homeless in Las Vegas. So they did add a few things like that, a few sweeteners to help. Uh, but yeah, the, the teams can control this and move. And now it, it seems so odd that that gambling was just such the, the oh my God, don't even, don't even think about the word gambling in sports to now we're about to have three major sports in Vegas. When not too and long ago, Tony Romo, w, Tony. The Aces. Yeah, well, the, the already right, champion right. Las Vegas Aces, too. Yeah, yeah. and it's working. Yeah, so, so, the Aces won a yeah. championship, the ninth. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. is. It, it is good. working. And, and No, I, I, I agree. I mean, we're, we're not too long ago from Tony Romo not being allowed to do a fantasy football draft in an, and not even in a casino in Vegas because of the rules. And now you, you I think Vegas, Vegas is doing a great job with it. So there's the, the fan side, the team side of moving. But I am happy for Vegas. I think it's a great destination place for these teams, great destination place for, for visitors as well. So what, what's left now is we've got the four majors with the WNBA, but will there be an NBA team that eventually ends up there as well? Yeah, it seems like all roads are leading to that point at this point. For what it's worth, too, it really takes out the middleman if you're a team needing to celebrate your championship, too, since most teams that win want to go to Vegas anyway. Now, if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, you get to go and sleep in your own bed after a night out of the town if you sleep at all. Um, guys, let's get to that. We got the U.S. Open getting started this week coming up at L.A. Country Club here. And someone who will not be in attendance is PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, recovering from a medical situation. The tour announced Tuesday night with no further details. PGA Tour executives Ron Price and Tyler Dennis are going to assume leadership responsibilities. Uh, just another weird turn. Obviously, you hope everything's all right with Jay, whatever your feelings are about how he handled everything. Charlotte, in the lead up, in the, I should say in the fallout, of the proposed live golf and PGA merger that we know it sounds like, you know, Congress and all those people are going to fight and look into the validity of here. But um, it's been a strange time for golf as now we get set for another major where we're going to see more of these live guys and PGA players in the same rooms together on the same course together in the wake of that seismic news. Yeah. I would never speculate about what's going on with someone's health. Um, although I can imagine that the stress this man has been under probably cannot be good for a person, um, no matter what side of the debate you're on. And it is golf. Uh, golf is the most dramatic sport. Like I really think everyone talks about the NBA with this league. Golfers are so in their feelings. They get 18 holes to be in their heads the whole time. Everybody feels something. And, uh, yeah, hope Jay's okay, um, and, and, I, and I hope they get this mess figured out. But, man, it's entertaining. Yeah, it, it is. Listen, the, the first thing is, obviously, we, we don't know medically what's going on with him, and, and, and you don't wish bad on anybody, and you hope he recovers. We've definitely gotten to know Jay over the years through the, the, through the different shows, and, and you want him to be okay. But he also has, you know, he, his image and his standing with the, with, with the players is going to have to – be repaired, right? Because it's damaged. John Rahm was the latest one to come out and say, we felt betrayed by management. You know, we had a bombshell dropped on us. Again, there's no union there, no CBA. They don't have to be involved in the decision. But 
Normally, there's a player advisory group, and there's been communication back and forth, except for this. This was all kind of done without any of their knowledge. And so Jay's going to have some work to do to get the trust of the players back. Let's just, let's just hope whatever the issue is that he recovers from it and get back to his job. Absolutely. So wishing Jay Monahan well in the road to recovery. Guys, let's get to the third. Not a headline I expected, but definitely a sign of the times. Netflix is planning a pop-up restaurant in Los Angeles coming up here shortly. They're going to launch a pop-up restaurant on June 30th called Netflix Bites, a food concept built around elevating the dining experience, featuring chefs from the various Netflix show, including Iron Chef, Quest for an Iron Legend, Chef's Table, Nailed It, Nadia Bakes, Drink Masters. Charlotte, is this anything you have been deep into, you know, Great British Bake Off, a number of different food and reality shows. Is this something that would actually get you to make a pilgrimage out to Los Angeles? I have watched watched every single show they're talking about. I know every single chef who would be cooking there. Um, yes, except that I think it is, it's brilliant, right? Like if you're in the content business, you also have to be in the live events business. Um, but something about it also feels sort of dumb. I don't know. It just feels, I'm like, what do we do? Like all of these people don't exist in the same universe. And um, it feels like a, a craven ploy to get me to bite, literally. And you know what? I just might. I just might. I'm in. Listen, it, 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 you don't even have to sell it to me twice. I'm in. Mike, you're, you have to rep, obviously. I don't know how close it is to you. They're going to be across the street from the entrance to the Grove, where, by the way, they have a Netflix retail store in there. I believe they opened last year. But to have chefs that are on your network cooking there to be open like from 5 to 10 during the week, brunches on the weekends. You better be going there and you better be giving us, you know, uh, you know, the deal on how good it is. I would be there in an absolute heartbeat. So I am all for anything that has to do with some good food. Listen, guys, I'm the Mark. I'm the one who drove two hours into the middle yeah. of the desert to go see a cheese at rest stop. You don't think I'll sit in 45 minutes of traffic to go see a bunch of Netflix chefs? Because, Charlotte, to your point, they may not exist in the same universe, but much like we've seen, multiverses, hot in the content space right now. Just use that to jettison them all to the same spot, form the Avengers, beat Thanos, feed me along the way. Um, if you enjoyed this version of the Avengers coming together for this podcast, make sure you download some <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel and DraftKingsNetwork.com. Check out the thewilderthings.substack to see all of Charlotte's musings. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Go, go. Boom. Money in the bank. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.